The benefit of our guests who may not know this, there's a gold sheet in your service folder and you are very much invited to take that out. You don't have to, but it's there for your resource to follow along during the message and also to take home as a devotion this next week. Dear friends, one of the most probably authentic American traditions is to gather around with family and friends on the 4th of July to watch fireworks. And so this past 4th, about two months ago or so, tens of thousands of people gathered together in San Diego, California, on the beaches and in the parks, and they, they gathered around hours before the fireworks were supposed to go off. The promoters had said that this display was going to be bigger and more intense than past year, so they wanted to get a, a good spot, and they did. It was supposed to be a 18 to 20 minute uh, display with uh, starting at about 9 o'clock, and if you go to fireworks, especially if you have kids and you're watching the clock, you realize that they never start when they're supposed to. So it was a surprise then when in San Diego at 8.55, stuff started happening. And people looked up, and what they didn't see was beautiful lights across the sky, reds and blues and whites and gold. Instead, they saw this. They saw what appeared to be a gigantic flamethrower shooting fire into the air, and 15 seconds, not later, not 20 minutes, the patriotic music kept playing, but the show was over, except for some mushroom-looking clouds that hung over the black sky at the time. Many of you have probably heard about this on the news, but a glitch is what happened in the computer system, kind of a big one that caused $150,000 worth of fireworks to launch all at the same time so that $150,000 worth of fireworks were spent in about 15 seconds. Here's the thing with fireworks. You can't do it over. The operator couldn't you know, say, hey, uh, let's back up the tape. Let's try this again. Once you light a firework and it goes up in the sky and gives its burst, you're kind of done with that one. It's over. As I was studying over the last month for this series, I was thinking about that day. I thought, well, you know, that's kind of the way it is with our earthly lives. You have one burst. One opportunity to shine. And yes, along the way, you can change things to make them better. You can, you know, change perspective so that it's, it's more in line with where it should be. Absolutely. But can you ever do second grade over? Can you ever do your college years over? One chance. One burst. And just like last week, I don't share this with you to depress you. I share this with you because there is awesome opportunity right now for you and I who still have years left to use it, to not waste it, but to use it according to God's plan and God's purposes. And so last week we started off by taking a look at Moses who had 40 years to think and wander. 40 years to just kind of think, to follow God, to think about what life is all about. 
And what he taught us last week is through God's inspiration is that we so often look at our lives through the context of birth and death, birth and death, the two dates that we have on our gravestone. And that tends to be the whole context of how people look at their lives. But Moses said, he asked us to consider that actually existence is from everlasting to everlasting. Remember that big long string that we had? There's a much bigger story than your 70, 80 years. There's a much bigger context against which we should view our lives. And it's in that context, God's story, that we find real meaning and significance in all of our lives. And in fact, Moses had us sort of consider a prayer. And this week, it's starting to become a part of my daily prayer life. I hope it becomes a part of yours, too. It's real simple. It's just this. Lord... Teach me to number my days. Lord, it's a prayer right in there. Teach me to number my days. To view today in view of the end. To view today in the view of eternity and of heaven and of all the purposes that God has given to us. So this week, we're getting a little more specific. This week, as we now dig down over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about different aspects of life. Today especially, um, work. And the busyness of work and, and all the effort we pour into to work and the things that we work on. And to do that, we're going to, for the next two weeks, look at Solomon. A little bit of background about him. King Solomon was the third king of the, king of the nation of Israel. He reigned during really the glory days of Israel. Things were never better in Israel than they were under David and then under Solomon. Not only was Solomon powerful and rich, um, most of you know this, but God granted him a special measure of wisdom. So in fact, Solomon was likely the smartest or wisest man who ever lived. And so he actually spent a good portion of his life using his wisdom to sort of analyze life to look at through the lens of wisdom and godly wisdom to analyze life. Um, Ecclesiastes uh, uh, 1 verse 12 says this. um, It talks about what he did. I, Solomon, the teacher, was king over Israel or in Jerusalem, and I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Um, Solomon was very intentional with this. And he experimented with all areas of life, for better and, in some cases, for worse. Um, He experimented with marriage and marriages. He experimented with relationships. He experimented with construction and with laziness, with pleasure and with busyness, with work and with fun. He, He took a look at relationships between people, between husbands and wives, between children and parents. He took a look at all of these things. And then when he was done, and here's where Ecclesiastes comes in, when he was done, he wrote down the things that he found, and God guided him in this writing, inspired it, and that writing is the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, at the very beginning of his book, he kind of starts with the theme. Kind of the the theme statement of what his entire book is kind of going to center around, the main point. Ready to be inspired by Solomon as we look to start at that first two verses of Ecclesiastes? Here it is. 
the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Amen. Let's go. <laughs> Last week, I mentioned how Moses and the verses we looked at would have been perfect for an inspirational you know, calendar because of just how inspirational those words were about the brevity of life. This week, I think, actually, Solomon and Moses should get together because together they could give us much more positivity if they just combine forces on that calendar. We're going to see that there's something under the surface here. But before we do, at surface level, there's a real lot of truth to this. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything in life, meaningless. He elaborates a little bit more in verses 3 and 4. What does a man gain from all his labor, or a person, from all their labor at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go. It's kind of round and round and round. But the earth remains forever. The point Solomon's getting at here is that there is an inherent futility in working so hard and chasing the things of the world. Have you ever seen a dog chase his tail? Round and round and round they go. Just never stop, never end. Solomon asks, what does a man gain from all his labor? at which he toils under the sun. Um, I got something. How about a car? I, I gain a car. So what do you do with that car? Drive it. Until when? Until it gets old. And then what do you do? Trade it in. For what? A car. And then what do you do with it? Drive it. And then what? Trade it in. For what? A car. See the dog? Round and round and round the generations go. Chasing after the wind, as Solomon will say too. There's a very futile, circular pattern to chasing the things of this world. It's true with cars. It's true with computers. It's true with homes. It's true with iPads and iPhones. Hey, by the way, did you know the new iPhone 5 is coming out in about a week? So what that means is if you have an iPhone 4, you have about one more week to be cool. And then you're not as cool as you were. But don't worry, because round and round we go, and the iPhone 6 will come out in about a year, and then those people won't be cool either, and you'll have your chance to be cool again. I mean, it's futile. And the thing is, and the thing we're going to get back to is, we get caught up in this, don't we? And we chase around after our tail, like a dog would do, round and round. Happy Solomon goes on. Our text for today, verse 17 of chapter 2. So, next one, please, Julia. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. Parents, you can look at your children. I don't know, you know, what does the future look like for your stuff? I don't know. Who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, 
Yet he will have control over all the work into which I've poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So for Solomon, his heart began to despair over all the toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who's not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. <clears throat> Last August, my grandma passed away. She'd lived in the same house for about, I think about 35, 40 years or so. And so because we had to sell it, or my dad and his sister did, they had to clean it out. And it was amazing the things that they found. Um, every drawer filled. Every nook and cranny with stuff in it. Every cabinet filled. I was talking to my dad about this a couple days ago. They found 40 years worth of photograph negatives. If you're 25 or younger, you don't even know what that is. But 40 years of them, my grandma saved. Cupboards in the basement filled with old appliances and telephones that no longer worked. I don't know, maybe you'll need a part for another one sometime. You know, don't throw anything out. Closets filled with dresses. Most of them not in style, but you never know when they might come back in. Guess what happened to most of it? They threw it out, sold it. It's not that they didn't love my grandma. They just didn't love her stuff as much as she did or as much as they loved her. Solomon says, working over after all of these things that we cannot even keep, much less pass down to kids or to people who aren't probably going to find the same value in them either anyway. There's a futility there. There's a chasing after the tail. Meaningless, he says. And through the book of Ecclesiastes, he goes on and on and on about life and about the things that he found. And if you're young and you read through Ecclesiastes or are listening to this sermon, you're like, oh my goodness, why is this even in the Bible? It's just so depressing. And if you're older, you're probably like, I knew it. That's how I felt. I've lived long enough to have seen that, and Solomon is exactly right. I work so hard for things, and it just never satisfies. Solomon's a smart guy. He's saying exactly what I've felt, what I've found. And yet, what happens? We still get caught up in it, don't we? We still get caught up in that chase. Now, I want to be clear. Don't misunderstand Solomon. He's not saying you can't enjoy life. I mean, God gives you the things of life to enjoy life. But it's all about perspective. It's not a matter of enjoyment. Don't get him wrong. It's a matter of pursuit. It's not a matter of any time being spent on the things of this world. It's a matter of how much time is spent pursuing the things of this world. It's not a matter of earthly blessings being in our lives. Some of you are blessed beyond belief. Don't feel like that's sinful or something. It's a matter of earthly things consuming us and our time. 
and our lives. And every single one of us have to confess that we at times have been chasing our tail, that we at times have wasted the time that God has given us by chasing after things that are meaningless, that don't have lasting value, of being consumed by the chase, a wild goose chase where there is no goose and you'll never find it. And just as if we felt like there is no point to living, Solomon in our text in verse 24 says this, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his or her work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, that work. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? You see... Solomon, throughout the book, he's kind of baiting us. He's kind of getting us to think. He wants us to feel like you just felt. Because there is this, this key to unlocking the truth of Ecclesiastes. There's this different perspective that he wants us to come to. About 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about life under the sun. Life under the sun. And what he wants us to lead us to is the fact that there's a different type of life. Life not under the sun, S-U-N, but under the sun, S-O-N, right? Under Jesus. And yes, everything is meaningless under the sun, but when you connect God, and you see all that you have is from the hand of God, then you find satisfaction in your work. Without him, you can't eat or find enjoyment. With him, life under the sun, S-O-N, there is purpose, and there is perspective, and there is enjoyment and peace. And we can work today because of the new life that Jesus has given us through his death and resurrection as forgiven children of God, and we work hard not pursuing, ultimately, the things of this world. If you've worked overtime just purely for the pursuit of a vacation, I would ask you to reevaluate that. If you've disconnected God to your overtime work, that you're there for something of earthly value, I would ask you to change your thinking. Work overtime. Bring God along with you. Work overtime. Serve him and to his glory in the new life that Solomon wants us to lead us to, a new way of using our time. We think of investments when it comes to money. Today I'd ask you to think of time when it comes to investment. Um, I brought something up here. It looks like uh, just an ordinary basketball but um, this is a basketball that I've had since I'm 10 years old, or was 10 years old. And uh, nothing unique about it except that it's like a, a bald tire. Um, it's worn down. All the little dimples no longer are up there, and it slips through your hands quite easily. The reason why it's like this is because um, behind my house when we lived in um, Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, um, there was a basketball court there, and I would spend hours upon hours upon hours dribbling shooting, working on my game. Truth is, I got better. The truth is, I can hold my own at men's league basketball on Tuesday nights. <laughs> I'm not the worst one out there. 
I won't tell you who is. It's not me. But I've often looked at this basketball that now my son uses at times, and I think and I wonder, and this is a reason it will never get thrown out. In retrospect, was it time well invested? I learned some things through sports. In retrospect, is the return on my investment that I'm okay at men's basketball league at Century Junior High? Is that a good return? In retrospect, would I maybe use some of my time a little bit differently? Yeah. How do we work for the Lord? There's lots of ways at the job you are now at. Here's one that I want you to think about. Spend some time telling someone about Jesus. You want to really invest your time to have an eternal return? Schedule your time that you might more be a light. And not just be a light, but to share the light with the people around you. Young people, I would ask you to consider this when you think about what you're going to do with your life. Don't just ask the question, how can I make the most money? Okay? God will take care of it. It's an okay question to ask. It's not what we should do. Ask the question, how can I be a light? Parents, this gets pretty hard with time investment, doesn't it? But I implore you today. If you have young children or young grandchildren, don't Or a house that someone else is going to live in. And, and people of Bethlehem, if 
you're a new person here, or a young person, don't ever think that the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, doesn't need you. We do, and there are so many opportunities out there which you have today to invest time for eternal benefit. If, if you are someone here who's an older member or older in age, don't ever think that it's time to pass the baton. You know what a time to pass the baton is? When you're in heaven, okay? And yes, your role may change. But if you are not serving God because you think you're too old, think again. Are you been here too long? Think again. God has called any one of us each day to invest our time. And when you think of Solomon, okay, as we close, when you think of Solomon, there is, is no one, none of us are richer than he was. For a time, he uh, had 2,500 gold a year, which is about $600 billion in our currency, okay? A year, okay? No one's richer than him. No one's more powerful than him. No one has more influence than him. I mean, you know what he's doing in Ecclesiastes? You know why he writes this? He doesn't want us to waste our time. We can listen to this and, you know, shake our heads and go on living the way the world does, but Solomon guarantees you, when you're 60 or 70 years old, you're going to open up this 3,000-year-old book and find that what he said was exactly true. But today, the new life that Christ has given, you and I have opportunity to shine as a beauty 